punch the button, Kelly. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Our first reading this morning is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 26 through 28. Listen to God's word. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness, but the word of the oath which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Our second reading is from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Listen again to God's word. He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to take you into a little bit of theology and theological controversy. Ooh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> there is this thing called universalism. And those of you who go to Bible study know kind of almost where I stand on it. I say almost because I don't really know where I stand on it. I'm just not sure. But the idea in universalism is that everyone is saved, regardless. Ooh. And the question leaps to mind, what about Hitler? What about Pol Pot or Charles Manson? I have to tell you, since God is all-powerful, they are wherever God decides they should be. And if it's heaven, so be it. Just remember, there are people we'll sit down at the table with in heaven who are going to be surprised to see us. <laughs> but it does rankle some people. It really bothers Well, they can't go to heaven. You just committed blasphemy. Blasphemy is a serious, serious crime. Because we have assumed for ourselves an authority that belongs solely, exclusively to God. So when somebody says, you think they're in heaven? I say, they are wherever God wants them to be. And wherever God wants them to be, God is with them. The end. But it rankles people, I think, for about two reasons. And one of them is... We human beings like certainty. 
If somebody asks you, if you die tonight, do you know that you'll be in heaven? As a, as a Presbyterian, the correct answer is no. We will be where God wants us to be. It is not up to us. We didn't seek out God's grace. God gave it to us. We didn't seek out salvation. God gave it to us. It's all God's doing, not ours. But we really want to know. I'd like to know where Hitler is. You know? Maybe so I can avoid it. I'm not real sure. Sitting on the edge of our seats, we only tolerate that when we're being entertained by it. But when it affects real life and real future, we have a whole different way of looking at things. Don't leave me in limbo. Tell me. Answer it. Well, guess what? Read through here. You don't find a whole lot of answers that give you a final answer. You find a lot of answers that ask you more questions. And that can be tough. Thrillers and suspenses are there. It's okay as long as they're not real. But when it comes to reality, especially reality about God, our eternal lives, we want certainty. I want to know that I'm not going to have to sit next to Charles Manson in heaven. The second point, and it's kind of related to the first one, is we want justice. Do we not? We want justice. But we don't want God's justice, whatever that might be. We want our own justice. We want to define it, and we, if we can, want to inflict it. But that's not God's justice. And we don't want to leave it in the hands of a loving, gracious, merciful God. But when we don't want to leave it for other people, guess what we don't leave it for? Guess who else we don't leave it for? Us. Don't we want to be in the hands of this loving, gracious, merciful God? You're supposed to be doing this. It's okay. We want all justice. We want everything on our terms. If God would just do things right so I could be happy. In Christian Century, I found this letter, and I thought it was interesting. Um, it's by, a, hang on, I put his name on the second page. By Neil Weatherhog of Topeka, Kansas, wrote in, and I don't recall exactly what he was talking about, but it's all here, more or less. He says, when I arrived at his own theological proffer, however, I found an important biblical and theological concept missing. Justice. Do I really want to hope that God is so loving that all will be brought under the grace of his divine spirit? Where is the justice for victims of our sin, our brutality, our multiple holocausts and pogroms? Saving the victims may not be enough if their perpetrators are saved as well. 
Wow, Neil. You're going someplace I sure wouldn't go. But he's speaking from a human understanding. It's understandable he would feel that way. We all feel that way sometimes. It's a valid question. Why should I think that these people will escape justice? But I think he's asking a bigger question. And it's a question that I don't think he's aware that he's asking. He's saying, where is justice for me? Do you ever read Dante's Inferno? Here's one of the things that you learn in college, but sometimes you don't. As he went down the levels of hell, every place he went, there were people who had offended him. And the worse they had offended him, the lower the level of hell they were on. It's a nice story, kind of, but it's entirely selfish. People who did terrible things to me might be saved too. That's not justice. What if Jesus had had that same attitude? I'll save everybody except the people who drove nails through my hands. I'll save everybody except the, whoever it was that put this cross together. I'll save everyone except the person who made the whip. I'll save everyone except people who tell lies sometimes. Uh-oh. But if Jesus had had that same attitude, we'd all be going to hell. And that's all there is to it. We don't know who is and who isn't saved by God's love and grace. We have God's promise. And God's promises are true. But knowing and believing are two different things. Knowing depends on fact. Believing depends on faith. Scripture doesn't provide clear answers to questions about the scope of God's salvation. We really don't know. But I want you to think about this. What about people who have heard the gospel but were not capable of grasping it mentally? What about people with developmental disorders or mental illness who've heard the gospel but they just didn't get it? Are they doomed? Are they going to hell? Or what about people who are not capable of understanding? What about native people? The world over who refused Jesus because of the behavior of their conquerors. You know, if this is what your God does to the people you say he loves, we can find another God. Sorry. Or what about people who want nothing to do with Christianity because of Christians' behavior? They've heard the gospel. They know what it says. They've understood it. But they've looked at us. Not everybody in here accepted. It's okay. <laughs> but they have looked at us and said, I don't want any part of that. We all see it on TV. The ones with the least to say are shouting the loudest all the time. 
They say they're speaking God's word, but they ran out of God's word years ago. But here's the thing, with all of those people who didn't quite get the gospel for one reason or another, what about them? What is God going to do with them? Well, guess what? Scripture doesn't say. Look in Scripture and find an example of someone God was angry with. Just think of it in your head. Those, the stories are everywhere. People are always making God upset. Now think of one, just one. Where Scripture tells us God did not forgive them. Or that God did not love them. Just one. Jesus said no one comes to the Father except through me. It's a rhetorical construct that we miss in English because we have our preconceived notions about what that means. If you want to get to God, you have to go through Jesus. Well, that's half the truth. Now they're all sitting forward. It's not an absolute statement. It is deliberately vague. There's more than one way to take that statement. Think about this. Do we get to God through Jesus? The answer is yes. Okay. You can answer out. This is a test. Also, Anyone who comes to God, whether they know it or not, they were led by Jesus. That's the other part of its meaning. Anybody who finds God regardless, they got there through Jesus, whether they know it or not. Because knowing it or not knowing it doesn't affect whether we get there. True or false? Jesus was, is, and will be. Thank you. True or false? Jesus is God. Correct Presbyterian answers. True or false? Jesus made and created everything. If you don't believe that, check John, first chapter, first verse, and following. Yes, Jesus created everything. And so it follows that Jesus leads us to God, whether we know it or not. What about uh, Abraham, who originally made idols for a living? Did you know that? He was an idol maker. How did he find God? Yes, thank you. What about Moses, who's born this Hebrew child and raised in a pagan, polytheistic, Egyptian royal household? How did he find God? For Jesus. Yes. Did they know who Jesus was? No. Did Abraham and Moses know the gospel? 
No. Did they know anything at all about God's plan for the salvation of creation? No. Here's a rhetorical question. Don't answer this one. Because I don't want you to blaspheme. Were Abraham and Moses saved? Will they partake of God's grace? Or will they go to hell? They didn't know Jesus. They never heard the gospel. But if that's literally true, then think about this. Abraham, Moses, Noah, uh, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Ruth and Naomi, Saul, Solomon, David, Amos, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jonah, pick any one from the Old Testament. They're all going to hell. Is that the God we serve? Is that the God who has revealed himself to us through Jesus? No. Now what's God going to do about them? I don't know. God's the one who knows. But I trust God and I'm glad that decision is in God's hands and not mine. Scripture tells us that Jesus died once and reconciled all things to God. He offered himself once for all. Not once for most. Not once for the people he really likes. Once for all. So is universalism heresy or truth? I don't know. I'd like to think it's real. Because what God is going to do with those who don't know Jesus or who are somewhere in that, that gray area I've mentioned to you, we don't know. Will God save everyone? Based on Scripture, I don't know. And based on scripture, I have hope. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong.